Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, now in our second year of bringing you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello everyone, I'm Kathy Inus. Today we're uncovering the 2019 Mutual Factor. We'll break down the new metrics that prove the strength of the mutual insurance industry. And TRIA is up for reauthorization. How a hearing this week could move Congress closer to a long-term solution for the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act. Plus, the California Consumer Privacy Act. Newly approved changes could cost companies a total of up to $55 billion in initial compliance costs. The mutual factor is back. It's year two of the annual market performance report initiated in 2018 by NAMIC as a way to gauge the state of the mutual industry. The 2019 edition is the result of a partnership between NAMIC and Aon and represents a significant expansion over the first report. Just released at convention, this year's edition includes nearly twice as many metrics to assess the market performance of mutuals in comparison to stock companies and other insurer categories. The 2019 report also takes a look at how mutuals are rated under the AM Best Rating Methodology Framework. On today's Unscripted, Chuck talks with Aon researcher Patrick Matthews about the analysis and the key findings that set mutual insurance companies apart. Well, today on Insurance Unscripted, we're here to take a deep dive into the mutual factor. For those of you unfamiliar with the mutual factor, and I can't imagine anyone out there in our podcast listening audience is, It's NAMIC's annual analysis uh, that really assesses the state of the mutual insurance industry. And by the way, the state is very strong, as I think we'll find out in this podcast today. Today we are joined by Aon, uh, Pat Matthews. Uh, He is the lead researcher on the project. Uh, As this year, NAMIC partnered with Aon, and we're very happy with uh, the results and the collaboration. So, Pat, welcome to Insurance Unscripted. Great. Thanks, Chuck. Great to be here. So this is the second year we've done this analysis, and um, you know, having Aon in to fill the research role, we thought went very well. Uh, what made this project of interest to uh, Aon? Great, thanks, Chuck. Uh, first of all, the, the mutual segment is a really important segment for Aon, and interesting at the same time, the mutual factor was re- was released in 2018. You know, we had produced our own benchmark report for mutual companies based upon AIM Best uh, new rating framework, so. Uh, the timing and you know the collaboration in 2019 was just a, it was really a great opportunity for us at Aon to work directly with NAMIC and and, and to kind of add more to the study with you know providing a rating framework in yeah. the 2019 report. Yeah, I would uh, I give you credit for that because as it happens last year we saw your analysis of best ratings in the mutual industry produced just on your own. And we're really impressed with it, and so that's what led us to uh, consider the partnership for this year. And uh, again, I think it worked very well, and appreciate your help with it. So, you know, the analysis looked at 28 different performance metrics. Uh, having done all the research, uh, worked on the team to uh, to get it done. Which which factors do you think are most important from the uh, industry perspective, and then maybe from the policyholder perspective as well? Right. Um, you know, some of the key factors we look at closely a lot, especially on the performance metric, is, is the combined ratio, right? Essentially, how, you know, is the industry collecting enough premium to cover losses and expenses? And 
and what was new to the report this year, not only did we look at 2018, but we looked over a five-year time period, right? Um, but then when we start with the combined ratio, we also like looking at the operation, operating ratio now to take into consideration the investment income and those companies, uh, those mutuals that have a strong balance sheet that generate a fair amount of investment income, you know, over the full picture of underwriting and investments, are you able to kind of build capital, build surplus? Uh, and then when I think through broader, now we talked about the operating performance, but but the kind of how much capital do you have? So looking at a key ratio like premiums to surplus, and, and you know essentially how much surplus is supporting each dollar of premium or each dollar of risk, and, and it's, it shows you know for the mutual industry very well capitalized. Yeah. You know, we've historically, we, the mutual insurance industry, have historically operated with a combined ratio that um, is a couple points above stock insurers. Um, do you all have, well, we have an explanation for that um, factor. Uh, what would be your uh, explanation for why that is? Yeah, it's interesting. We, we looked at that, uh, and in 2018, it was like three and a half points higher than the stock segment for the mutual segment. and. Uh, in about two and a half of those points was a slightly higher loss in LE ratio. So essentially paying more in losses per dollar premium, right? Kind of, you know, providing a better product for, for the insurers, for the policyholders. But also, uh, another point differential between mutual companies and stock companies was the policyholder dividend ratio, right? Which we see is the mechanism for Mutuals that you know essentially give some capital back to their to their owners, the policyholders. Uh, and when we look at it in totality, it feels like the combined ratio of the mutuals really aligns with uh, you know their focus on the policyholders. Yeah. And tell us, this year was the first time that we then combined the um, credit rating methodology with uh, you know kind of your analysis of A and Best last year with respect to the mutual insurance industry. Um, what did we learn looking at that and those factors um, as compared to last year where we were focused on uh, more company uh, ratios and, and performance factors? Yeah, sure. The, uh, you know, under AMBEST new rating framework, uh, you know, I, we think mutuals compared very favorably. Uh, some key findings um, were 90% of mutuals have strongest or very strong balance sheet strength as compared to 78% of stocks. So that's the two highest assessments for balance sheet strength. And in fact, uh, the mean and Bacar score for mutuals uh, at the bar 996 uh, was 59%, 10 points higher than stock companies, so very well capitalized compared to the stock group. Um, and then so interestingly, from an operating performance perspective, 84% of mutuals were assessed as adequate or better operating performance by AMBES, which is the same exact percentages for stocks. Mm -hmm. But uh, we noticed in a deeper analysis, the stock companies, uh, when we looked at a combined ratio over a five-year period and the volatility around their combined ratio had 25% higher volatility in their combined ratio than mutuals. So the steady performance of mutuals really showed through in some of our analysis on the ratings framework. Uh, you know, other areas within the rating framework, business profile, 47% of mutuals were assessed neutral or better compared to only 40% of stocks. And then lastly, you know, 96% of mutuals were assessed of having an ERM of appropriate or better compared to 91% of stocks. So overall, in summary, you know, we thought across the rating framework, the mutuals compare very favorably to stock companies. 
Well, that is a great story to tell. Um, you know, as, as most of our uh, listeners here in this podcast are uh, members of NAMIC, uh, leaders of NAMIC member companies, you know, what factors would you um, highlight for them, um, you know, either areas where the industry is doing well or things that we could perhaps do better as uh, company management listens to this? Yeah, so there's a couple of things uh, from, the, from the report itself I found interesting um, that may not be readily known to everyone without going through it. Uh, one is we talked about how well the mutuals are capitalized um, and, and, in fact, the better relative capital adequacy uh, compared to stock companies. And really, to me, it seems like a focus on how the mutuals manage their, their capital for the benefit of their policyholders. Uh, but secondly, I found it really interesting, the um, survey on uh, commercial insurance decision makers and, and, uh, and seeing the alignment of those buyers, uh, some of the most important criteria is that the mutual companies really compare favorably against, which is, you know, excellent customer service, you know, fairness in settling claims and financial strength. Uh, so kind of those key tenants really aligned well with um, the mutual mission. Do you think that, um, you know, we know one of our challenges as an industry is to uh, explain the mutual difference. Uh, our survey last year, which was focused on personal lines, uh, showed that um, while people who are familiar with the mutual model uh, strongly believe that it was uh, the best insurance for them, uh, many were not familiar with it. And I wonder if those characteristics you point out about the commercial lines policyholders that we surveyed this year, whether they as buyers are perhaps more sophisticated, more knowledgeable, or they're dealing with brokers that are uh, giving them a little more information than just the, um, you know, run-of-the-mill, personalized uh, policyholder. Do you think that's a, a potential explanation for uh, what you're talking about here? Yeah, exactly. And in fact, even within the survey results, as some of the respondents learn, you know, maybe we're not, we're not as familiar with mutual companies and the differences of how uh, the philosophy and operating approach is as they got kind of more of a kind of post-educational um, uh, the mutual practice uh, they became even more favorable more aligned to you know understanding you know this is the type of partner we'd like to have uh, when, we're, when we're thinking about our you know insurance partners exactly you know, we anticipate doing this kind of market analysis uh, annually. As you look at it from, you know, our industry perspective, um, can you look out to the future and, and maybe identify any trends that would be particularly uh, useful to track or, um, you know, perhaps consider some other reasons why um, continuing to do this each year, you know, it might make sense for our industry? Sure. You know, I, I think it's always just value. There's always value in a port like, like this that takes the time to reflect on the segment of essentially how, how are we doing, uh, you know, and provide some valuable insights, such as, again, the commercial insurance buyers this year and the, you know, the consumer buyers last year. Um, and while each company is unique, having a consistent report with key benchmarks I think it's very valuable to management teams and, and board of directors, et cetera, to uh, allow individual mutuals and companies to benchmark, well, how do we compare, how do we stand, uh, and how can we get better, right? So it's kind of that reflection piece is just a healthy part of 
always growing as, as a company. Uh, and when I think going forward with respect to the report, I, I see it, the report to continue to evolve to provide insights and feedback to mutual companies, whether through different surveys and, and kind of just listening to feedback from the members and or, you know, just highlighting current industry topics companies are facing. Right? So how do we kind of, you know, evolve the report to be a, kind of a resource that the management teams can say, yeah, these are the topics I need to be thinking about more, uh, you know, from the mutual factory report. Well, thanks, Pat. That is a, that's great insight. And, you know, I've started to hear from members that they're beginning to use this as a benchmark. Of course, uh, you know, some might use a service like Wards, uh, which is uh, part of the, the Aon group, but others would uh, maybe do a more informal benchmarking of uh, general industry results to their company's performance. So I think uh, we're hearing that this can be helpful to them as well. Anything else to add for our listeners here as we uh, wrap up? this segment of insurance unscripted? No, just uh, I'd say for myself personally and from Aon, thank you, uh, Chuck and team. It was, uh, we really enjoyed working together on this opportunity and, and then look forward to you know many more opportunities going forward. Well, I know our team here, led by Neil Aldridge, our Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs, really enjoyed working with you all and uh, thought it was a great collaboration. So again, thanks, and uh, we'll look forward to next year. Great. Thank you. With many insurers now facing increasing staff retirements, the talent gap is top of mind. But some companies have found sharing the mutual story helps attract future professionals to the industry. Jacobson Group managing partner Margaret Milkent says mutuals natural alignment with policyholder interests should help them attract job seekers looking for a workplace that supports their values. Mutuality is a great way to attract talent, especially Generation Z and the Millennials. They are looking for an organization that operates with heart and head. And nobody does that better than the mutuals. You think about community, you think about service, you think about honor and integrity. What do you think of? I think about mutual insurance companies. So it's a great way for us to attract that next generation talent and to keep them. So I think the spotlight has never been brighter than now on the mutual insurance companies. So this is their moment and this is our moment. Jacobson was interviewed during NAMIC's 124th annual convention as part of the association's partnership with AM Best TV for convention coverage. You can hear more of the nearly 30 interviews conducted on site at National Harbor online at ambest.tv. Just go to Event Coverage 2019 and click on NAMIC. With the Terrorism Risk Insurance Program set to expire next year, Congress has started working toward the next long-term reauthorization. A hearing scheduled for October 16th will focus on a 10-year solution currently on the table. House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters introduced the legislation to reauthorize the 2002 law created in response to the tragic events of 9-11. TRIA was designed initially to address the inability of insurance markets to predict, price, and offer terrorism risk coverage to commercial policyholders. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with Liz Heck, President and CEO of Greater New York Mutual, about TRIA. Liz currently heads NAMIC's TRIA task force and reminds us of the stabilizing force TRIA provided to the economy after the disruption following the 9-11 terrorist attacks. 
You know, I don't know what Congress will do, but I can tell you what we would like them to do. It's it's critical that TRIA um, uh, maintain uh, the, the structure that we have right now. Um, it really shouldn't be changed in any dramatic way because we've seen that it works. NAMIC is currently conducting a multifaceted TRIA education campaign this year in the House and Senate and is pleased that House members have agreed with the association's strategy. Compliance rarely makes the national news, but it did last week. CNBC reported that the California Consumer Privacy Act could cost companies a total of up to $55 billion in initial compliance costs. The Department of Finance released an economic impact assessment that provided a broad range of the potential costs companies could face to become and stay compliant with the CCPA. Two days before the deadline, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed seven legislative proposals to amend the CCPA that will go into effect on January 1st. The Attorney General's office is now tasked with defining regulations that will help companies understand the steps they need to take to comply. The bill grants rights to California residents to be informed about how companies collect and use their data and allows them to request their personal data be deleted. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we hope you'll keep tuning in as we return with more insurance news and information on October 30th. If you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.